When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by looking at a post-spring ball top 25 that has OU at number one, and we break down a few 2022 NFL mock drafts that have Spencer Rattler going number one overall. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss how the Big 12 can produce more NFL draft picks. We finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. I'm man Mike Hostie. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, May 6th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. New presenting sponsor, let's go. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in May from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Wildflowers in Winnings promotion. That's a lot of cash. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Feels good. They're on board for I a year, it. Teddy. On board it. for a year. Better get used to that read, big boy. Oh, yeah. I, hey, I got it. Don't worry. I got it. Now, recording this on Wednesday night, obviously, we're very fired up to have Riverwind Casino as the presenting sponsor for the next year. So that means we at least have to do this thing for another year. We're so in, baby. we're committed. Uh, we're, we're pot committed. We're locked in. But uh, just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. That would make us feel better. But Ted, before we get to the OU stuff, and there's a lot of fun things to talk about with some of the things that have come out this week. My, my dad life is my, Father to beness is really ramping up uh, because yeah. we we had we had the big baby shower last weekend, so all the gadgets have arrived. 
and there's lots of gadgets. No one tells you how much shit goes into having a child. Oh, I mean, boxes after boxes, uh, so many boxes. You and your wife are going to take a walk in the park, and it will, will require her to have a bag her giant purse, you'll carry a bag, you'll wear a backpack, and you'll have a stroller that's packed full of stuff for, for a walk. I mean, it's, it's insane how much stuff it requires for, I mean, I guess it's not required, but what you end up gathering, just a bunch of stuff. And I'm a bit of a psycho, right? I'm a bit of a planner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the stroller. We've got a couple of different strollers. They have arrived. And I don't know why I was putting myself through this pain, but I was watching the Thunder play the Kings the other night. And during it, I was like, you know what will make me feel better if I really figure out how to break down and set up this stroller in a very short amount of time. So I was watching like the entire third quarter. And I was like, I'm going to do it the whole third quarter. I had the two different strollers that he's going to use initially breaking it down, setting it up. Eyes on the game a couple times. Break it down, set it up without even looking at it. uh, Putting the gun together and breaking (laughs) it down. Gump! I love it. Now, here's what you really need to do, though. If you really want to become, like, tested in putting this stuff together, like, try and put one of your dogs in there that is not going to want to go into that thing, right? So try and put your dog in it while you've got – Water boiling over on the stove, your phone's ringing, your computer email chain is going off, your wife is yelling at you from the next door, next room that she needs help uh, putting a light bulb in. I mean, there's someone knocking at the, the doorbell's ringing because it just always happens that it all caves in on you at once. Always. <laughs> You're making me feel so good about it. I can't but, wait. You will eventually find a way to say, screw it. I'm going at my own speed. All right. Well, I can tell you one thing. I could break down and set up that stroller quick after I was the same way though. I, whenever, whenever we started getting stuff, I was, I was into tinkering to see exactly how it all worked. Yeah. And they've done a great job. Like some of the stuff is so cool and, and so easy. Yeah. And I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I'm not going to lie. Thank I watched God a lot of YouTube. YouTube videos. So much yeah. better than reading it on the owner's manual. Absolutely. Now that a bunch of people have stopped listening to this podcast, <laughs> let's, this is, this is becoming a dad with Teddy and Gabe. Okay. Uh, let's get to that the, OU. News, that little conversation was just played in three times speed. By there you go. Oh, you football. So some fun things to talk about. This week, and obviously, we have hit a part of the season where not much is going on. But shout out to my man Mark Schleybaugh from ESPN. He put out his post spring ball top 25 power rankings, which just is so much fun to talk about. It's so silly, but it's so much fun. And the top five are your regular cast of characters, right? You've got Ohio State at five, you've got Clemson. At four, you've got Georgia at three, the Alabama Crimson Tide coming in at number two, and at number one in Mark Schlebaugh's post-spring top 25 power rankings, the Oklahoma mm. Sooners. 
Teddy, this is the year, baby. Let's go. Mark Schleybaugh knows what he's talking about. Come on, man. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I don't know if it's a thing at all. Uh, he's probably going to do five of them in the preseason and put these five teams all at number one uh, at one point or another. But, you know, it's something we've been talking about for really since before last season, you know, before Spencer Rattler started his, his first game, it's kind of like, Hey, this year, it kind of is what it is. Some of these other teams, you have Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be, um, you know, seasoned vet coming back and playing. You've got, um, you know, all the fields, these quarterbacks that have been there on really good rosters. So you felt like last year in his first year was going to be a bit of a process and it was, but he played well. And, and we're kind of saying, well, if he, if he plays well and looks like he's going to be a good quarterback, the year after this one is going to be the year when everyone's replacing quarterbacks. And here we are, right? And not only has all of that happened and everyone's replacing quarterbacks, but we got a defense. We got a defense and, you know, there's, it's not all perfect right now. I would love to be going into this off season or post spring saying, Oh my God, I love this offensive line. We are right back to uh, Joe Moore Ward type of type of play there. And maybe we get there. I'm not saying that we don't, but at least as of right now, that's the question mark. What's the offensive line going to look like? I would say skill position as a whole is a question mark. Right, we've got some guys that we like. Uh, there's some good pieces there, but you know we need we need more out of the wide receiver core. We need the tight end group healthy, 100%, and we need a breakout start running back. You look at the teams that have won national championships recently. First round running backs. So we need a game changer in the backfield. Yeah, and you look at all that stuff you just laid out. I, I do think there's two main reasons why people are so high on this OU team. Number one, they've got a defense, right? And I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with the respect that Lincoln Riley has earned as an offensive play caller and to just produce, right? That his offenses, no matter who you plug and play in those things, that they're going to go score a bunch of points. But the reason that people are so high on this team is the defense. And then the second reason I think they're so high on this team is because of their path to the college yeah. football playoff. I mean, you, you look at it, you can't win it all. You can't be considered a number one team if people don't think you're going to make it to the college football playoff. There's no doubt that OU has talent on both sides of the ball, but OU's path is one of the main reasons people are so high on it because they've got the weak non-conference schedule, and we've talked about how disappointing that is, but you've got Tulane, Western Carolina, and Nebraska. I mean, your best non-conference game is Nebraska. Then you tried got, to get out of it. Right. Who <laughs> tried to get out of the That's damn how game. how they feel of the game. Then you've got the conference slate, and it's the conference that this team has won six years in a row. So I, I guess the third thing that I would add to that is what you bring up all the time, and that is Ohio State lost Justin Fields. Clemson lost Trevor Lawrence. Georgia has JT Daniels, but 
it's not like he's proven much, although he was good in those four games at the end of last season. Alabama lost Mac Jones. They're all having to replace, even though they've got talented guys, there's no doubt they've recruited well at the position. A lot of those teams are having to replace difference makers at quarterbacks. I mean, those are first round draft picks. It's not exactly easy to replace a first round draft pick at quarterback. I mean, I just think everything has lined up for OU. And it is really interesting that a lot of people are kind of seeing it the way that we've been seeing it for months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And one of my concerns is health for whatever reason this spring it's just left a bad feeling and no one had anything like super serious at least that I that I can think of or that I know of but it was just one of those those springs where it's like dang man it's like one after another nicks and bumps and bruises and missing time and I just I don't think right now offensively which I never thought I'd be saying this two years ago, but offensively, we are not deep enough to absorb injuries. And defensively, we are, which is, it's like the total flip-flop from years past that, you know, if we have a couple of guys, one or two guys on the offensive line that are down, I think the quality of play can slip off pretty big. Same thing at wide receiver. I mean, at running back, maybe you have one injury and things fall uh, slide down quite a bit. So, and that's a position that that gets banged up a lot. That's one thing that concerns me. And I know we're always going to say, well, if any team has injuries, uh, it's going to be hard to win a championship. Well, the other teams that we're talking about on that list, typically, and I don't know enough about the rosters yet this year, but typically those teams are deeper than us generally on a roster. So it, it's, it's one of those things that you can always throw out there, but for whatever reason, the spring left me a little uneasy in that aspect. Yeah. I feel like a, a run to a championship, it, it involves some luck. Mm-hmm. And you're right. OU, they're not as deep as Alabama. I mean, no one is as deep as Alabama. They're not as deep as Georgia. I mean, if you go and look the way that, Kirby Smart has recruited at Georgia the last couple of years. I mean, they just got a ridiculous amount of talent. The same goes for Ohio State. No one throws around, well, what would have happened with Georgia if Justin Fields didn't transfer to Ohio State? You know, Good Lord. You know, it's like we may be talking about them uh, playing a couple national championships, maybe winning one. So, uh, you know, he would have helped them a lot in getting past Bama. Yeah, so – the the pieces are there. It's exciting to see Oklahoma on these lists. That it makes a ton of sense. But it, I, I'm with you. It a lot of things they they got to fall into place. But that's that's usually how a championship run works. Now this is the it, it is the ultimate silly season in the sports calendar. Ted, we we just wrap up the NFL draft, and one day after the draft is done. Everyone's graded the drafts, what teams did well, what teams did poorly. Then we get the 2022 mock drafts. Yeah. And it's it's dumb, but it's fun. 
And yeah, I read them all. I looked at pretty much everyone I could. I was like, hey, you know, I want to see. And it's funny because you look back at some of the mocks that were put out after last year's draft. And it has a guy like Marvin Wilson going in the first round. Mm-hmm. He went undrafted. Yeah. It's crazy. It's got well, a guy like Dylan Moses from Bama. Dylan Moses went undrafted. I mean, these are guys that were mocked to be in this year's first round at this time last year, and they weren't selected at all. So it, it's a bit of a crapshoot is what I'm well, trying to say. Like, but it is like fun. a guy like Mac Jones. You know, the, the narrative around Mac Jones was – that he's going to, Alabama is not going to be any good. Mac Jones just doesn't have it. Um, they're going to be really struggling at quarterback. I think didn't Feinbaum say in the offseason last year that Al- Nick Saban's never going to win another national championship? <laughs> he wins it that year and maybe Oops. the best team ever. So, yeah, narratives change big time. But hey, it's <laughs> content, baby. So. I'm going through a bunch of these 2022 NFL mock drafts and they're all just the first round, right? And you're seeing some pretty consistent names at the top. Everyone loves the Kavon Thibodeau kid from Oregon. I mean, he looks like he's going to be that guy as an edge rusher, right? He's looked like that since he was a true freshman. I mean, just looks like a different dude, but they do vary a little bit, but one name that pops up, and damn near all of them is Spencer Rattler. I mean, you look at CBS Sports mock draft. Spencer Rattler, they've got him going number eight overall, and that's the lowest I found him going on any of these. You look at our guy, Dane Brugler, from The Athletic. He's got Spencer Rattler going number one overall in next year's draft to the Houston Texans. Yahoo Sports has Spencer Rattler going number one overall, and it's got Nick Benito going Number 32 to the Kansas City Chiefs, which really caught my attention. Up there in uh, Kansas City. Let's go. Just collect the Sooners in Kansas City. Bleacher Report. It's got Spencer Rattler going number one overall to the Houston Texans. It also has Nick Benito going number 15 overall to the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I love seeing this stuff, right? We just saw the conference go without a first-round pick. So seeing two OU guys in some of these, it makes me happy. But when's the last time we saw a defensive guy projected in the first round? At that's OU? what I wanted to ask you. I was yeah. I was trying to think maybe Kenneth Murray was in a couple of those, but yeah. I I doubt it. But that that is a good sign. I, I saw Spencer Rattler and I was like, yep, makes sense. We know what Lincoln Riley's done with QBs here in the past couple of years, having guys go number one overall. Makes all the sense in the world. And then I saw Benito in a couple of them, and I was like, would you look at that, Ted? I like it. I, I like it. I think he could have a, a huge year. He, he was, his, his season started off slow last year for whatever reason. But as, as it wore on, you got into that, that last stretch run, and he was, he was great. And I expect him – you know, he came back for a reason. I think he's worked on his craft. He's bigger. He's more mature. He's he's just sharpened those tools a little bit more. And, I, and you know, the, the more snaps you play, the more you just settle in and you're comfortable and you're confident. So I think he's going to have a great year. And I think he's got a chance to, to possibly get into the first round. Um, 
you know, he's another guy though that is like what what is he? You know, he's the size of an inside backer. Um, he's got some decent length, but do do you see him as a, as a stand up edge rusher in the NFL? Maybe, maybe so. Um, but he's a productive football player, and as we know, production is what matters. So, yeah, I I think it's great. I think he's it, it's cool seeing him on these lists, but I think he's he's got a long way to go before he's a first round edge guy. I mean, he just does, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to be an absolute creature, a guy that can dominate in one-on-one situations. Now, to his defense, he hasn't been put in a ton of those situations with some of the movement stuff, all the twists, all that stuff. We've talked a lot about that, but maybe he gets some more of that this season. We'll see. The more those guys can show that they can win those, because ultimately a coach doesn't want to twist a whole heck of a lot. You want to do it some and catch some offensive linemen, you know, in, in, in some different schemes and game those up a little bit. But ultimately, you don't want to do it every snap. I mean, really, it's a cover for not having the right players there, right? You're trying to, you're trying to kind of game the system and, and, and slow the offensive line down a little bit. But when your guys can win those, you're, you're going to call it straight more often than not. Yeah, I'm with you. And Benito may be one of those guys where, you know, he has a productive season, then all of a sudden he goes to the senior bowl and every report coming out of mobile is like, he's unblockable in the one-on-ones. Like he's shooting up boards. I mean, he, I I wouldn't be shocked if he's one of those guys, but we'll see. I, I will say this about Rattler. You look at the other quarterbacks in these mock drafts of you've got Sam Howell from North Carolina is up there in the top five. And a lot of them, uh, you've got Malik Willis, who's the quarterback from Liberty that maybe a lot of people haven't seen, but you'll know the name next season because this kid yeah. is awesome. You got JT Daniels back at Georgia, Georgia. You got Keaton Slovis out at USC. See if he'll figure some things out. But after, you know, the more time I spend around Rattler, I think stuff like this is good for him. I think seeing these things is the best thing for him after I I think I kind of understand how he's wired Mm -hmm. a little better now. And this puts a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler to perform this season. But to me, he seems like the type of guy that actually doesn't feel the pressure, but this actually gives him more confidence yeah. seeing this stuff. Does that make sense? No, I, yeah, I, I do. He's, and I, for whatever, this term is, is taken negatively, but I don't mean it in a negative sense that um, he's kind of a front runner whenever, whenever he, he's out there and everyone's talking, it just kind of feeds it and you feel good. You feel confident and you have a, you have a good, you're comfortable running the race out in front. And that's good. I mean, that, that's a good thing. You, you're confident in yourself. And I think so whenever he's getting patted on the back and, and everyone is saying, come look at this kid. He thrives with that spotlight. He thrives with the positive spotlight. Um, you know, can he thrive with the negative spotlight? Well, I think so. Whenever we saw him bounce back from the Texas situation, but I I'm, I'm with you. I think that this, this is ultimately probably a good thing for him as long as it doesn't go to his head in a negative way. And 
from the way he handled himself last year, I don't have the feeling that it will. I just, oh, gosh, Gabe, I, I, I don't see him as a – it's hard for me to see him as an NFL quarterback right now. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I do know what you're saying, but first of all, I think he, he improved a lot in spring ball, right? Yeah. I think he's kind of a different guy now from everything the coaches have told us, right, Ted? I mean, he is saying things better. He's way more confident. The leadership has ramped up from him. I mean, just talking to him after the spring game, like he he feels like he's been there for five years now, mm-hmm. the way that he was talking and carrying himself. But I would because when I saw the list, I was like, Spencer Rattler, the number one overall player in the NFL draft. I mean, the kid that got yanked in the Texas game last year is gonna be the number one pick the next year. And then I started looking at the other QBs, and you know how the draft works. I mean, QBs right. go early. Like Zach Wilson went number two this year. I would draft him. You could take the draft on for a hundred rounds, and I would never pick Zach Wilson. So I understand how it goes. Quarterbacks are going to go. They, the hit rate, I think, on quarterbacks now is higher than it's ever been because the NFL's finally started adopting the offenses that they play at lower levels to a certain degree. But it's just it's hard to wrap my head around because I, I, I don't know. But I will say that it was hard for me to wrap my head around with Baker. And early on, until things really started clicking with Kyler, it was hard to wrap my head around with that, but I got there eventually. Maybe I'll get there with Rattler, you know, but he, he seems like the the thing that I always do with a player, whenever I'm asked where he's going to be drafted is who does he remind you of? And that's the question they always ask in scouting departments. Who does he remind you of? And I don't know who Spencer Rattler reminds me of. I don't know. Like with Baker, I can say he reminds me of Drew Brees. You know, he's really accurate. He's got a he's got a capable arm. He moves around okay. He's not a big guy, but uh, you know he can he, he can make all the throws. I, I don't know who Rattler reminds me of. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll come up with something after a couple yeah. of games this year. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You mentioned Baker. Sam Howell plays so much like Baker yeah. Mayfield. I mean, it's it's actually kind of creepy, but so we'll He's see. He's even got the neck beard at times, like Baker oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the the aesthetics aren't far off either. I mean, it is you're gonna you're gonna hear that comparison so many times next season. Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, just prepare yourselves for it. Well, it's a and good gentlemen. thing because Baker was compared to Manziel in a negative way. How will be compared to Baker in a positive way? Well, there we go. Well, there we it's go. Well, hey, yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, so there was only those two guys, but for our call your shot question, threw it out there on Twitter. What players on OU's roster do you think could be first round draft picks in the 2022 NFL draft? And we got some pretty standard responses, but this one, Ted comes from coach Janway on Twitter. He says Rattler top five, Benito eight to 16 Winfrey 12 to 20 and a sleeper is Eric gray 21 
to 30. I kind of love how Coach Janway gave us the windows there, too. Very specific, Coach. Aim small, miss small, Gabe. Okay, aim small, miss small. Uh, I'll disagree on Eric Gray, although I don't know. He may – I've got such a small um, sample size of him. I I may change my mind on that. I will – unless all of a sudden he turns into, like, Dalvin Cook, which – Yeah, running back, you've got to be – I mean, you gotta be talking, that dude, man. Yeah, we're talking one guy maybe in the first round in, in, in this this new era in the NFL. So, um, Winfrey, I would say, has the ability. He's gonna have to have a big year. Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he's he's got good size. He's he's a super productive player. If he goes out and has a double digit sack year. You know, in Oklahoma, makes it to a national championship game, and he's a, you know, he's a, a multi-sack guy in the in the college playoffs. Then you know he's he's got some of the tools. Um, one one guy is there is there any path if he if he's back and he's a hundred percent healthy, is there a path for Stogner or is he not athletic enough? That's a good. That is a good question. He's kind of. I think the thing that would make him attractive to teams is he's a, he would, they could see him being a complete tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he's got the size to block. Now I'm never going to compare a guy to Gronk because I think Gronk is the best to ever play the position, but like, he's kind of in that mold, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's not a Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, no. that type of guy. And my, my worry is that, Tight ends that go in the first round now are that type of guy, yeah. right? Big, explosive playmakers in the past game, basically just giant wide receivers who, when they watch, they go, ah, we can teach that way. We can teach that guy to get in the way enough as a blocker. Yeah. I, I think Stogner's a really good player. He's got to be only concerned with getting completely healthy for the season, but he he is a guy that I think a lot of NFL teams would go, I want that guy on my team. But first round, I I haven't seen that type of playmaking ability from him. I just haven't. I agree. I I think that his size is fantastic. His skill set is fantastic, but he needs he doesn't have the twitch. You know what I'm saying? Like if he if we saw him to where He's firing off and he's like doing some dudes wrong in the running game. And, you know, whenever he's catching the ball and he doesn't have to have a bunch of shake or anything, but like he can catch it, turn it upfield and he looks like an explosive guy. Then I think that there would be a chance, but we haven't seen that from him. But in the grand scheme of things, he's still really young. Right. So, um, I, I think I agree, but he—I think he'd be two years away if that was if that was going to be the case. Yeah, at MC underscore Jared fifteen on Twitter says Rattler and Winfrey, Nick Benito could be with another strong season and with a team that is the right scheme fit. It's kind of a good point that Benito, if someone can kind of envision him some hybrid like linebacker end role, but. Usually, I, I don't know, man. I, I I still think 
New England Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. It turns out they love OU guys now. But uh, Benito, there's going to be the there's going to be production, right? But it, it comes down to, and this sounds so stupid, but you usually know a first guy, a first round edge guy, when you see him. You know, yeah. when you look at him and you go, "Holy shit, look at that guy!" Right. And when I see Nick Benito, when I watch him play and I watch the film, I go, "Man, this kid moves well. He's slippery." makes a lot of plays, but when I see him in person, I have never gone, holy shit, look at that guy. I just never have because he's he doesn't have that physical build. He just doesn't. Here's what's amazing. And this is why this is why it's so important. This is why team is so important. And playing as a team is so important. Because the, when the narrative changes around your team and how you play on a certain side of the ball, the narrative changes in how people grade you. I'll give you, I'll give you a guy that was super productive at OU, didn't get drafted, but whenever you saw him, it was, oh my God, and that's Oboe. If Oboe was on this defense playing the way they are right now, scouts would be drooling over that guy. Yeah. That would have been sweet. Damn it. Why'd you bring that up? Now well, it's just, you know. How it, am I supposed to sleep tonight when I'm thinking about Oboe and Grinch's defense, Teddy? Oh, well, he's, do? he's doing good, though, man. He's he's found a home at the Rams, and I, I think he's still there through this offseason anyways. He was he was playing well. Found, he was getting on the field in third down last year. But, like, he he's a guy that you look at him, it's like just super long arms. He's jacked. He can grab a guy on the edge. Um. You know, and like I, I think he would have been a first round pick if he's playing in this defense. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. Uh, one last one comes from Jordan Dunn on Twitter, who says, Gabe Burkett shocks the football world, becoming the first ever kicker to be picked not only in the first round, but first overall. <laughs> that's pretty good. Wait, Janikowski was in the first round. Yeah, he was. I was about to Gruden. say, sorry to burst your bubble, Jordan, but, but hey, he was the first this. overall. But- I, I have come I have come to grips with this. Gabe Burkich is going to get drafted and that will make him a more significant Gabe in the history of OU football, which mm. is going to hurt when it happens, but I do think I don't know if it's next year or the year after. I do think that he's the type of guy that may end up getting his name called and I'm telling you that is going to hurt my soul when it happens. I'll be happy for him. I I like that goofy kid. I like is, chatting with him on the sideline. He's a goober, but that's going to sting, man. That's going to is, is that hurt how my soul. We, is that how we decide the place on the totem pole is draft position? That's what we're going off of? I I would like to think importance to the team is what matters, but if they win a national championship, Ted, then what do I do? I mean, come on. Once yeah, if he hits a true. game-winning field goal in the national championship, I got no chance, man. Yeah, it's that'd tough. be rough. You're, you're still ahead of Gabe Toomey and Gabe Lynn, though. So it's true. You're good. It's true. Thanks, man. I needed that. Yeah.
Yeah. All right, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcome back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay. I put this off a little bit because I wanted, last episode, we wanted to focus on the OU guys and the OSU guys that did get drafted. And we forgot to talk about Zayvon Collins, and that's on me. That He's awesome. awesome. Yeah, That phone call was awesome. How many Oklahoma represent? Let's go, Zayvon Collins. You're the man. Appreciate you representing the state. And that was, I mean, when he was like, we're going to kill everyone. <laughs> I mean, that was. <laughs> we're winning a ring. That's, that was, that was cool. Like, uh, what did he say? We're winning a ring so big that a show dog can't even jump over it. I was like, what does that even mean? I love it. Yeah, that but, was, I thought the same thing. I was like, huh, show dog? What? Is that, okay. a, is that a phrase nice. in hominy? Is that that's a thing there? Okay. Hey, whatever. But <laughs> we forgot to talk about Zayvon Collins. Good job, young man. Hope you ball out in Arizona. Congratulations. But there, I mean, the reality of the NFL draft is that the SEC dominated it, right? And it's it's been that way, and all indications point to it staying that way. You look at what the SEC did, they had 65 guys picked. Uh, six of the first 10 picks were from the SEC, and they had 12 first-rounders overall. You look at the SEC having 65. The Big Ten is next with 44. The ACC had 42, and if they had their way, they get to include Notre Dame's kids, which would give them 51. But the Pac-12 had 28 draft picks, and the Big 12 had 22. So there's really no argument to be had. The SEC has the best players in college football. It is the most competitive league in all of college football. But the question becomes, Teddy, for me is, what can the Big 12 do to produce more draft picks, to close that gap, right? I mean, Alabama had six dudes in the first round. OU had none. I'm supposed to believe that even with all the talent that OU has backed it, if those teams meet up in a college football playoff, like I'm, I'm supposed to think OU is going to be able to beat that other team. Like, it's just, it's hard when the gap is this big. So I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, what can Big 12 teams do to produce more draft picks? Like, where where can that 
even start to where they're getting closer. I mean, not even just to the SEC, but to the Big Ten, right? I, I mean, because the disparity is huge, man. It is. Well, it starts one place. It starts with the University of Texas. And they recruit really well, but they suck at developing talent. They have to be over the last decade, and maybe it's further than that, but they have to be the worst program in all of college football at developing talent. At turn, They turn good recruits into bad football players. Nowhere else is really doing that. I mean, there's, there's, I guess there's some places, but even those places that recruit well and don't win a lot of games still get a bunch of guys drafted. Michigan doesn't win anything, but they get a ton of guys drafted into the NFL. Um, Texas doesn't. So that's the, that's the number one place right there is the other team in the Big 12 that recruits well needs to start developing talent, sending those guys to the league. Um, everywhere else, it's going to be difficult, man. It's, it's just where we are with, with the teams that we've stacked in this conference. We've taken – we took some, some smaller – West Virginia and, and TCU West Virginia, I guess, was, was not a smaller uh, program. But you had TCU in uh, a non-Power 5 school. It's, it's, we're kind of the leftovers. Aside from Oklahoma and Texas, the Big 12 is the leftovers of, of everyone else. Um, I, they're, they're just, it's going to continue to be onesie twosie type of draft classes from, from these schools, Oklahoma state, every now and then Oklahoma state's going to put out one or two first rounders, you know, and and it's going to be like once every four or five years, they're going to have a a, a decent little draft class next year. If they play really well, I think Iowa state could have uh, a decent little draft class and contribute. But after that, it's going to be right back to square one. They've just got kind of the perfect little witch's brew there of, of guys that are, that have played forever. So ultimately it's all on OU in Texas. OU for the most part is held up there into the bargain. Um, offensively, they're getting there defensively. Texas hasn't held up their end of anything. They've been God awful. Yeah. And uh, I'm with you. It, it starts with Texas, right? When's their last first-round pick? Malcolm Brown. That's right. Defensive tackle. Yep. It's been a while, man. I played against Malcolm Brown, so it's been a while. So yeah. you you think about – and it's not like the the talent isn't there in the state of Texas for those guys, right? Uh, I mean, Texas is one of the most talent-rich state. I mean, you look at – I think I saw something out of the first – 105 picks in the draft. I think it was 16 players were from the state of Texas, which was the most of any state. So, like, the talent is there. The problem, and you nailed it, Ted, is their lack of development has now influenced top players in the state of Texas to go to other programs. Mm -hmm. So, back in the day, back when you were playing, right, when – OU and Texas were awesome. The Texas kids, like they wanted to go to Texas. And then kids that were at the same high school, stuff like that, they wanted to play against those kids. Mm-hmm. And they went to OU. So yep. it, 
what happens at Texas in a weird way does affect OU's recruiting in that state. And the reality is Bama can come into the state of Texas now and handpick their guys. Ohio State has done it as well. I mean, all these big programs now, and maybe it has a lot to do with Texas A&M being in the SEC. Uh, I don't I, think I don't, it does. I, I've I don't heard think that. it's irrelevant, but I think it's a little blown out of proportion, right? I, I think that, yeah, I mean, maybe it matters because I just don't think a guy's going to go to Alabama because he's going to play maybe two games in his career at A&M. I, you know, I – and maybe maybe that's a factor, and I, and I just don't look at it that way. But I think the biggest – it's because Texas sucks. That's how everyone's had the ability to come in there. That, it's plain and simple. If, if Texas was college football playoff year in, year out, winning the Big 12, at least in the Big 12 title game year in, year out, in the relevant conversation, finishing the top 10 in the country, they'd be cleaning up. A&M, yeah. you know – A&M has had success off of recruiting off of what Manziel did and the attention he brought to the program and the fact that Texas sucks. That's it. This, this hurt me when I saw it because, you know, you and I, we like to make fun of the SEC. We, we don't hide that. It's fun for us. Now, we respect the hell out of Bama and what Nick Saban's done. It's the craziest thing we've ever seen in college football. I mean, it's amazing what he's done. But we always poke fun at the SEC teams that aren't the elite, right? That aren't Bama and Georgia and even, you know, Florida, those teams. But when I saw this, I was like, damn, I can't even make fun of Kentucky anymore because you look at OU and Texas, both schools have five draft picks. Kentucky had six guys drafted. Yeah. Kentucky football had more draft picks than the two teams that carry the flag for this conference. And really, we know OU is the one that has really been carrying the flag, carrying the banner for this conference for the last decade. But when I saw that, I just put my head in my hand and I was like, oh, wow. That's so... I, I don't know what the answer is, man, because you're right. There is a geographical disadvantage that the Big 12 has, right? I mean, you you talk about Iowa State and Texas Tech and Kansas State and Kansas. I guess we have to talk about Kansas eventually. But those just those aren't talent-rich areas. And you look at the SEC in particular. I mean, look at all the players coming out of the state of Louisiana and the state of Florida in the state of Georgia, like there's just better football down there yep. and kids want to stay close to home. So like there, there is a geographical disadvantage that the big 12 is at, but I was, I was racking my brain. Like how can the big 12 get better players? And I think Texas being good would go a long way, but maybe the answer is, the name, image, and likeness stuff. Maybe that's it. Maybe, and I, I think of like Iowa State, right? They've built something. Maybe Iowa State's not the best example because of how Matt Campbell is wired. But if some group of local businesses around Ames, Iowa, say, "Hey, 
they make it known that if you go there, they're going to break you off some cash in the endorsement here's, stuff. And they need to say, here's what we're paying four stars. Here's what we're paying five yeah, stars. That, and I, I, it's crazy that I got to that point. I was like, well, maybe that's how it happens because there's been a lot of talk about college football playoff expansion. And it, could it be that more teams getting in the playoff would cause more parity in college football? And I was thinking of anything because this is the reality. And I, I did some radio with Jason Horowitz this week, and he crunched the numbers on this. In the last five drafts, the Big Ten has 30 first-rounders. The ACC has 26. The Pac-12 has 19. The Big 12 has 10. The SEC has 58 in the last five drafts. So the Big 12 needs to find something, and I'm not sure what it is, but you have to find a way to get more great players into the conference because ultimately there is one thing that matters the most to blue chip recruits. I mean, you're five stars, high four star guys. It's not getting a great education. It's not the facilities. Um, it's not if they like the coach it's not the gear. It's not who you're sponsored by. Like, it's none of that stuff. The number one thing that matters to top recruits and their families is can you get me to the NFL and make me millions of dollars? Can you make me a first-round draft pick? That's yeah. the number one conversation in all those households. And I'm, right. I'm not sure everyone realizes that. And when you look at those numbers, the SEC with 58 first-rounders, and the Big 12 in last with only 10. Five of those are from OU, by the way. But that's just that's such a huge gap and so difficult to overcome, man. Think about this. You know, it, and, and you mentioned this, but the Big 12 is so screwed geography-wise. I mean, what's the – Des Moines is the – is that the biggest city in Iowa? Has to be. Okay, we've got a we got Iowa State in Iowa. There's just no one there. I mean, draft-wise, there's or uh, recruiting-wise, there's no one there. You've got to get guys in from, from long ways off or develop guys that are not highly recruited players. You got two Kansas schools that are in the middle of nowhere. You've got two Oklahoma schools. What the entire population of our entire state is probably smaller than the Atlanta, uh, the population of the Atlanta metropolitan area. So, West Virginia, what's the biggest town of West Virginia? Uh, Pittsburgh's fairly close, but it, th- we're just so screwed by geography that you know Florida. There's so many recruits in Florida, so many recruits in Georgia. You don't, you can't throw a rock a, across the the Gulf Coast without hitting a town that's got a bunch of five star athletes in it. So, I mean, I I just I don't know. Aside from Texas turning into a uh, a level with Oklahoma, I just don't know what happens. I I'm with you. 
I, we've got to get creative and some of these schools are going to have to get creative, but we also have small schools in the grand scheme of things with small alumni bases and small donor bases. I, if, if we get into like this a bidding is war, depressing, isn't it? <laughs> can you imagine Iowa state getting in a bidding war over a recruit with Georgia or we'll you give know, you 74 rows of corn. <laughs> They're just bartering with crops. We'll give you your own plot of corn. Now you've got to grow it, raise it yourself, but it's yours. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're those numbers. Really? Those numbers are just, I mean, they're staggering, right? When you look at it and you're just like, damn, man. And that's from an OU perspective. It's like, how is OU supposed to be prepared? And it's kind of what we talked about at the orange bowl, right? When they, I mean, Bama just came out and punched him in the face. It's like, well, how the hell is OU supposed to get prepared for those guys when they're playing the level of talent in the conference? Like, that's that's where it – Yeah. It's – I mean, it's definitely significant. I don't know, man. Well, now that we've depressed everyone, <laughs> let's move hey, on. The, hey, the good news is, though, I, those numbers in the Big 12 are coming from Oklahoma for the most part. That's why I win the conference every year. Hey, it's yeah. it's our path. That's what you were talking about earlier. It's nice. It's nice when you win every year. Hey, it's stress-free life. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And don't forget to connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Teddy, time for our winners and losers of the week. As always, good sir, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? This is going to sound crazy, but it's the Jacksonville Jaguar football fans and the reason back tebow's coming (laughs) back baby tebow is back yeah uh we'll see neighbors with urban meyer but i was skeptical skeptical in the beginning but i'm starting to buy in on urban meyer i i think his draft process was really interesting and the news that came out today is Urban Meyer has fired four longtime employees, uh, employees that have 
most of them been there since the franchise joined the league back in 1994. Um, and these moves are, everyone say they're unsurprising because he's shaking everything up, but here's, here's what he said. He's been making it a, a point to tell everyone there that it's the franchise's responsibility to give the players the best of absolutely everything, which is why he's also pushing for a standalone football facility. Now, Jacksonville, the facilities suck. It's, it's one of those where it's, it's an older stadium and your and you meeting played rooms. There, so, you yeah, know. Meeting rooms, locker room, everything is in the stadium. It's in like the one, one of the little uh, rows of the, of the stadium. And Gross. Yeah, and you've got the practice fields are right outside the stadium, which, oh, my God, are those practice fields the most amazing thing ever. It's the best turf you could ever practice on. But the facilities still suck. And he, that's the college mentality is we need to – this needs to be the best possible place nutrition-wise, strength and conditioning-wise – uh, facility wise, it needs to be a place where these guys want to come. They want to spend their time where free agents want to come in and say, dang, I could see myself coming to work here every single day. He wants the best of absolutely everything. And he's psychotic, as I've always said. And I, I don't know, man, I just, maybe it goes down in flames. Maybe it does, but it's a different philosophy. Usually it's just been We'll throw money at these guys as much as it takes to get them here. And once they're here, it's on those guys to perform like professionals, right? How often do we hear that? You're a professional now. You're a pro. Well, Urban is saying, well, yeah, you're a pro, but I'm going to give you every tool I can possibly give to make you the most successful player you can be. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to go over well. I do. I really do. And that becomes very attractive to free agents. Yeah. And as long as you win now, you got to win, Gabe. You know that. You got to win. But ultimately, a lot of free agents are going to choose the team that's giving them the most money. The interesting part about Jacksonville, and it's interesting that he's trying to get them elite facilities. First of all, I think Shad Khan is worth like $8 billion, their owner. I think he was named like the fourth richest owner in the NFL. So I yeah, think he, he made that much it. on Dogecoin this week uh, to build new facilities. <laughs> Dude, Doge, okay. Doge is red hot, baby. <laughs> red hot. But the interesting part about Jacksonville is it's in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that the AFC South is so attractive to free agents and why Jacksonville would be very attractive, throwing all that on top of it, is there's no state income tax in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you would have now the 17 game schedule now screws all, all the math up for me because it makes it harder. Like where's the extra game go? It used to be even eight and eight. Did but- I also see that um, they're spreading the payout over the entire year now, instead of a weekly game check. Yes. Is that right. I believe so. I believe it's over like 34 weeks now, which if I was a guy in that league that was responsible with my money, I would be pissed. I want my money now. I wanted yeah. to put in my investment accounts. Why yeah. are you yeah. why are you getting to make money off my money while I am not? I would be <laughs> pissed if and I know I would have raised 
hell. It should be an option. You know, you yes. should be able to. Oh, we're protecting the players that, so they don't spend it all. Oh, shut up. We're grown ass men. Give us our damn money. Okay. We got off track. conversation. <laughs> but there's no state income tax in Jacksonville, right? So you have all your home games. Then in that division, you've got the Titans, you've got the Colts, you've got the Texans. The only team that has state income tax in that division is the Indianapolis Colts. No state income tax in Tennessee, no state income tax in Texas. So you have at least 10, maybe 11 games. Once again, the 17-game schedule throws everything off. You have all of those games where you're not having to pay state income tax because people may not know this. You get taxed on you get taxed by the what state that you play the game in entertainment tax. It's bullshit. It is. I had to pay but, taxes in London one time. What? Oh God. And I'm sure they've got just a low tax rate over there. I didn't do it. I, I, I've never done my own taxes. I, I am incapable. Tell the Brits to come after you. Come on, come <laughs> and get it, baby. Come get me queen Elizabeth. Nerd. Yeah. But I, dude, and that's it. We throw that around and some people kind of just scoff at it, but as the, as the salaries go up, and quite frankly, as the tax rates go up in some some places, New York, if you live in California, it's like a 10% or higher state income tax. You make $30 million. I mean, we're talking about that's a huge chunk of change. So no, I'm 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 totally with you. I'm I'm starting to like what I see from Urban Meyer, man. I am. You're realizing his crazy translates to the next level. We'll see if they win games, but yeah. I'm telling you one thing. I'm going to be excited to watch that team play. I feel like they're going to become like college football fans, NFL team. I know. Yeah. I'm not cheering for the Jaguars. Screw that. But I'm just saying. I kind of agree. And, you know, it's a winnable division, dude. It's a winnable division. Like Tennessee is, they're good, but. They're, it's not like they're winning with like a, a huge running back and, and defense. It's not like, I don't know. I, I think that division is, it's winnable. You just don't think Carson Wentz is going to be good in Indianapolis? What the hell, man? No. <laughs> Your face. No. No, I don't. No. That no. should okay. be sailed. Okay. Who do you have as your. By the way, that was one of the most that that winner of the week was we were all over we, the place. The, the we sprawling. even talked about Dogecoin in there. <laughs> all right, who do you have as your loser of the week? I love this. It's Texas AM fans. I love confidence. I love when a team is confident. What I don't like is when my head coach says whenever he's asked about Nick Saban. We're going to beat his ass. Uh, all I can say is I can't wait until the Bama game, which is what Jimbo Fisher said in some type of recruiting uh, deal, like one of those, I think it was in Houston, giving some speech at a caravan event or something. Oh, no. Was asked about Nick Saban and how do you get past Alabama and he said some of those things half jokingly, but still, you just don't throw those things out there, do you, Gabe? We know how this goes. We know that Nick Saban's going to have that plastered all over the locker room about how bad they're going to beat Alabama, how bad they they can't wait to play the football game. You just you leave 
a, a, a sleeping giant, you just walk past the cave, man. No reason to wake him up. They got a lot of guys to replace, too. Remember, until the coronavirus screwed up last year, like last year was supposed to be the year for them. And they they got to replace their quarterback. I mean, and I, I really do. Speaking of those mock drafts we were talking about earlier, the Marvin Leal is all over them, and that kid is an absolute beast. We'll see. But, I mean, they got to replace – Buddy Johnson, like they they have a lot of people that have to have to step up. And even though they've been recruiting well, they ain't been recruiting like Bama. And whatever Nick Saban does, I, I don't know what it is because we see like Ohio State, if you look at the recruiting rankings, like Ohio State has been crushing it in recruiting since Urban Meyer got there. But they've had success, but they haven't had even close to the amount of success that Saban and Bama have had in the same time span. Like, well, if there's I'm, one guy you don't want to call out, it's that guy. What is he doing? Well, here's the thing, though. Like, these schools have recruited well, but Alabama's had like the number one recruiting class, like eight out of the last 10 years or something crazy like that. Maybe seven out of the last 10. They were on a stretch there at one point that was just insane. And Ohio State has – they've been great, but Alabama's still getting like two or three more five-stars a year than them. Over four or five years, you're talking about they got 15 more five-stars on their roster than Ohio State has. That's insane. And they're developing them even better somehow. I mean <laughs> – Right, yeah. It's I, – I don't, I don't know how Nick Saban does it. I really don't. Like, no, like he has all these coaches that have gone there and – have gone through, you know, his rehab program. <laughs> Just know it, it it can't be replicated. It's amazing. I'm setting a way too early point spread of that football game at 35 points. That's significant. I'll take I'll take the under. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> okay. Guys, spring is here and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coupe Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. I dare you to try the mango guava and say it's not incredible. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. Okay, for my winner of the week, I thought about going with the city of Seattle because as of a few days ago, the Seattle Kraken are the 32nd team in the National Hockey League. So they got an NHL team. Maybe those people will bitch a little less about the Thunder and we can all go about our lives. I also Doubtful. thought about going with Russell Westbrook because this man has been on an absolute tear lately and he's got the Wizards in the playoff picture Monday night. 14, 21, and 24, just a casual stat line. But that performance guaranteed that he will average a triple-double triple on the season for the fourth time in his career. Which, Unreal. I mean, it's... Which we said about five years ago that no one would ever do it again. It'll never happen again. Yeah. Wrong. I Maybe... 
we loved Russ here. Maybe we just didn't appreciate him enough. I know it was there's some bad shots and some bad three point shooting, but damn, man. I mean, he's a one of a kind player. Okay, but I'm going a little bigger with my winner of the week. My winner of the week is the NBA playing games. And I know what LeBron said, right? Whoever came up with that shit needs to be a fired. I get it. LeBron <laughs> a little grumpy because of the ankle. I get it. But I completely disagree with him. I think the play-in games have brought some life to the end of the NBA regular season. Now, maybe not for us Thunder fans, right? We're ready for this shit to be <laughs> over. Like, yeah, I, I get it. But we'd play our way out of the season right now if that was an option. Right. And yeah, they definitely would. But it has it's brought some excitement. And just a refresher on the format in both conferences for the playing games, the seven and eight seeds will play will play each other. Then the 9 and 10 seeds will play each other. The winner of the 7-8 game advances, and they will play a first-round series against the two seed. The loser of that 7-8 game will then play the winner of the 9-10 game to become the 8 seed and play a first-round series against the 1 seed in their conference. It sounds a little confusing, I know, but... I think it has completely changed how some of these games are being played and how fans feel about these late season games because watching it, it just feels like there's more on the line, man. It's because there is, but it makes these games that normally at this time of the year in the NBA, we're kind of like, ah, oh, the playoff picture is pretty clear. I, mean, I got, I got some errands to run. I'm going to do it during the game, blah, blah, blah. But, People are checking the standings constantly and, and working through possible scenarios, and the games just feel more meaningful because you look at – just take the Western Conference, for example. You, you've got the battle of the one seed between Utah and Phoenix going on. Well, you also have a battle at six and seven between Lakers between the Lakers and Portland, and the Lakers want no part of the play-in games, right? So they're trying to stay, and that that just creates more excitement. In the Eastern Conference, the same thing, right? You've got Brooklyn and Philly at the top trying to get the one seed. And then in that 6-7 range, you've got Miami and Boston. I mean, Boston, this is a team that people were talking about possibly making the finals before the season starts. They may be in the play-in games. Like, I just, I think it's awesome. I think it's exciting in... With the NBA season, and once again, I know that this season has sucked for Thunder fans, but there's points of time in the regular season, you know, guys are doing load management. You know, some of the stars aren't playing. It feels like, okay, these guys don't even care about the regular season. When I watch these games, when something's on a line, like it seems like the guys are playing harder. I don't know if they actually are, but that's just how I feel. And I, I think this play-in thing, I don't know if it's here to stay, but I'm really enjoying it right now, man. Two things for me. Number one, LeBron James is the only person I know who would want to fire somebody who is trying to make him more money. Okay? <laughs> These games are they're, they're a big television draw. Right? That's my second point is, for the most part, 
we don't care about who the nine and 10 seed is. We don't care. But you know what? We love win or go home. We love win or go home. Because when it's win or go home, we know there's something on the line. We know whenever we tune into that game, whether we're in the hunt, whether we like these teams or not, we're going to have a final answer. Like there, there's finality to it. I'll tune in to see how that last five minutes of this game is going to go because if you win it, you're on, baby. You got yourself a series, and you know who knows what can happen. You get more money. You get your seven uh, possibly uh, playoff checks that they're going to get. I mean, guys want to win that. They want to be in that, you know. So we'll tune in for that. And that's going to get big ratings for the NBA, and it's going to make them more money. The league revenue is going to go up, and their share of that is going to go up. So I love it. I think it's great. We love finality. We love the the sudden death situation. We'll tune in to watch two teams that we don't even care about if it's a instant game seven. Yeah, and especially you you look in the West, the 7-8 game right now as we're recording this, would be Portland and Golden State. Let's go. With the way that Steph Curry is playing. That's a video you, game. I mean, are you kidding me? Let's go. That, that That's going to be awesome. Who can shoot it from the other team's side of the court to win it between him and Dame Lillard? My money's on Steph. He's the best shooter ever, but I do not like betting against Damian Lillard ever. Especially not <laughs> in a win-in-advance situation. Yeah, we I did. Know, he know. waved by. We'll never, we'll never live it down as a city. Ruin the franchise. Oh, we're that all was laughing. amazing, though. I've got to it say, was. that is one of the coolest. Like, I know it was like the most painful dagger ever, but oh, my God, that was insane. Funniest part, something people, a lot of people have forgotten already. Remember after the game, Paul George saying it was a bad shot? <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. I get the point of what he's saying, but it's not the time. Tell your friend that, not not the camera. Dave Lillard was the best long-distance three-point shooter in the league that year. It's a bad shot. I don't care what anyone says. Ah, it went in, Paul. How How about you chill out? Okay. My loser of the week. I thought about going with people that try to make kids specialize in one sport because this is one of my favorite stats that comes out every year of the 259 guys taken in the NFL draft this year, 86% of them played multiple sports in high school. So if you're listening to this and you're like, my eight-year-old needs to focus on baseball and baseball only or football and football only. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Here's why I love the interwebs, because six years from now, whenever your son is training with one of the individually, with one of the coaches of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm going to show you this clip. (laughs) Hey, but he'll still be playing other sports. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But I'm with you, though. I I totally agree. But uh, also thought about going with Juwan James. Ooh. This was a guy that I played in the senior bowl with. We're in the same draft class. And that's a, I mean, that's a bad situation, right? Tears the Achilles working out away from the facility. So, I mean, the rules are the rules. The Broncos don't have to pay him the $10 million. What do you million. think about that? What's your, because I mean, it's a, it's a hot button topic with a lot of the NFL football players. 
I I am shocked that more guys don't know the rules. I mean, it's collectively bargained. Ted, you know that that's how that league works. Like they agree to this. Their representatives agree with it. That's why every time I could, I was working out in the facility because I knew the rules. I didn't think I was going to tear my Achilles or something bad was going to happen, but I knew that if I was doing it there, that I would be covered. And that's why I never went anywhere and worked out. Like I hung around. Now that was also, I was a bottom of the roster guy. You're trying to make the right impression, all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I knew, you know, I was never going to do anything else anywhere else. You know, I worked out here. I'm not going to make it sound like I didn't, but if there was, if there was the option of being at the facility, I was there because I knew the rules. And I, you saw the league put the memo out, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's crazy. And you even saw like Patrick Mahomes tweeting about like, hey, they're not going to give their money. It's like, Patrick, that's the rules. That's what you guys collectively bargained and agreed to. Yep. So now you expect the owner to not follow what has been agreed to? I, I mean, how's that fair? It's in the now, I hope he gets his money because Juwan's a good dude. He was a lot of fun to be around. He got hurt at the senior bowl, by the way. He's yeah. been hurt a lot. But it's a bad situation, but I was really no surprised. No one was mad, though, because he's made a lot of money and not played very much, right? Oh, he's barely – yeah, especially since he signed a big deal in Denver, and he's hardly played at all. I think I saw maybe – and this may be the wrong number, but I feel like someone said that he's played like 68 snaps and made like $17 million or something crazy Good like that. Good for him, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for but, him. like, no one was complaining about that end of it on the player's end. You know what right. I'm saying? And, like, they weren't saying, well, come on, the owner shouldn't have to. And if he would have gotten hurt working out at the facility, which I, I hate to tell you, that's what they're supposed to be doing right now. That's why the coaches and that's why everyone wants you there. Go that's, look out the facility. And if this would have happened at the facility, guess what? They have to pay him all $10 million because – that's what they agreed in the collective bargaining agreement. It's in there. It's written in there. So yep. I, that's just a, I, I feel bad for Juwan. That's just a, that's a tough situation for him. And it has kicked off this whole discussion and he's kind of in the middle of it. And he's probably just sitting there going, my Achilles is torn, torn. This sucks. But my loser of the week and follow me on this, Ted, follow me on this one. My loser of the week is my shriek of not getting drunk on Tuesdays. (laughs) Let me explain. So I have a relatively disciplined drinking routine during like on weeknights. Now, Friday night, of course, is not a weeknight. I want to make that clear, but you know, well, hang on. Is this a don't get drunk on weeknights or don't drink period? Don't get drunk. I do. I, I justify like a big old glass of red wine with dinner because it's good for me, right? It's right. good for the old heart, right? Heart that's healthy. what some of the, I just, I'm just trying to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Teddy, I'm going to be a father. Smart I need decision. to live a long time. I agree. Okay. So I, I do Which, my big old glass way, of red wine. That glass is going to get bigger and bigger. Coming up June <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but so I, I try to do my best. I, I try not to, you know, go overboard during the week, but minor league baseball is back. Mm meaning the OKC Dodgers are back this season after 
not being around last year, and they announced some exciting things this week. First of all, uh, Bricktown Ballpark is going to open at 50% capacity, which was exciting because originally I think it was 30, so things heading in the right direction here in the city, coronavirus-wise. Hey, 50% to start the Dodgers season. They're also going to host their first Bark in the Park in June, and you best believe the dogs are going to be there. The Ikerd crew will be there. I don't know, actually. I need to check the date on that. My, my wife may be in labor, so maybe I won't be at that <laughs> one. But fireworks, firework Fridays are back. But the most exciting announcement for the OKC Dodgers, $2 Tuesdays. When they have a game in OKC on Tuesdays, $2 soft drinks, $2 bottled water, and $2 select draft beer, Ted. That means you can go to a minor league game, which tickets are not expensive. You can bring a crisp $20 bill, and you can drink 10 beers. <laughs> 10. Amazing. That's what amazing like the Cowboys games. You can drink 10 at a Dodgers game for 20 bucks. Wow. You got to love it. You got to love it. I think that's cool. I can't wait. Um, my, my son, you know, he started T-ball this year and is kind of into the baseball thing. It would be worth it like now to take him to a game beforehand. He would know or care what was happening, but now he gets the baseball thing. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Love it. That's that's going to be a lot of beers. There's going to be – I can't wait for – they're going to have – you know how they make the cup snakes? Yeah. There's going is. to be – that's how that's how we're going to measure the manliness of people at those games by the size of your cup snake. Yeah, well, I have a feeling like halfway through June it's going to be, okay, here, $4 Tuesdays. It's going to – they're going to be, like, okay, we can't – they're drinking us out of beer. We've got to raise the prices. Supply it's and $10 demand. Tuesdays. <laughs> no, but I am excited because uh, minor league baseball just decimated last year, oh, right? Oh, I know. It, it was crazy. Structuring, whole thing. And glad the Dodgers are back, but $2 Tuesdays. I will be uh, I'll be getting to a couple of those games. I enjoy – you just because you just get to sit there, drink some beer – Watch some ball. I, nice. I I enjoy going to baseball games way more than I do watching them on television. I It's the same with hockey, right? Baseball yeah. in person, because it's about the atmosphere, right? The concessions mm -hmm. are part of it, like the chatter of the people around you. And then hockey, you just realize how big and fast those dudes are moving. You're like, holy and shit, look at these guys. it stops. It's insane. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, both. But, yeah, get out to the Dodgers game. Why not? And on that note, episode 109 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening, and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
one more.